0: Amen. We're on to Romans chapter 3 in our Bible study. Um, Sunday evenings we we generally go through a book of the Bible. We've been going through the book of Romans. We're up to chapter 3 now. I've enjoyed the first two chapters. I hope you guys have as well. Um, uh, Romans chapter 3 starts with verse 1 saying, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? much every way chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of god let's go to the lord in the word of prayer before we get started father thank you for your word please now just help me to expand it clearly please just fill me with your spirit please um just just help everyone to be attentive now to to not get sleepy and this sunday evening after a busy long day in this warm room and just just help everyone to be alert to hear what you've got to say to them help me to to just just preach boldly clearly and um, just full of your spirit in Jesus name we pray amen. amen okay so if you remember chapter two at the very end of it Paul explained in verses 28 to 29 where it said for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh but he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And we showed you a few ver- verses last week, but obviously the the you know one obvious one, Philippians 3:3, 3, 3, that it says, "For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh." We covered that last week. Clearly, we are the Jews now, okay? The Bible is so clear about that. We are spiritual Israel. We are those that are circumcised. It's the <coughs> circumcision of the heart, the Bible says, okay? And I don't think anyone could read through these passages and come up to any other conclusion unless you've just got so much preconceived stuff that you just can't shake out your mind. But in Romans 3, chapter 1 here he's back referring to them as they're known by the world okay they're known as jews we still refer to people today as jews but although we know deep down that we are the jews okay we are jews based on faith in christ jesus yeah but here he's referring to them as they're known as and he's saying here well what is the advantage then what advantage do they have well He says here, much every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Now the oracles being the holy scriptures. You don't have to turn to Acts seven thirty-eight, talking of Moses. It says, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angels which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Okay, the oracles are the scriptures, the word of God. The biggest advantage that the Jew had was the word of God. because how does anyone get saved the word of God how do we live right how do we try and live for God through the word of God yeah it's so important the word of God and whether that was orally or eventually penned down as well the Jew had that 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 access to that didn't they because if you think about it what how did people get to the word of God who weren't they had to basically go originally to Israel and yes I appreciate that the Jews did then disperse and go around but they still had to come to them for the word of God it's not like now is it I mean now you don't even need it printed now you get the word of God just on your on on the internet on your phone you can get King James Bible online I mean amazing isn't it great tool you don't even have to go anywhere to get you don't have to order it you can have that word of God but it wasn't like that was it okay and what an advantage they had to have that exposure to it but with the word of God there Does that mean that everyone gets saved? You can think of it here that in the same way our children, people here in this church, our children have access to the Word of God, don't they? From young to the Word. Does that mean automatic salvation? Now, you can look at it and think, yeah, but isn't it easy to get children saved? And I hope everyone here is experiencing, I'd hope, when your children get to an age of understanding how it is pretty easy to get children saved, isn't it? Okay, and you're thinking, well, surely surely all these Jews would have done, but how many people do you get saved at the door, for example, who don't? They're just not even interested in getting their kids out. You go. Well, would you like me to show? You like me to show any of your? Fa-? Oh well, they won't really be interested. Well, they. How much selfishness is there with it? People who just don't care. They get themselves. They not even interested in anyone else. Or, or you could think of the people that maybe didn't just drifted probably not even really unsure unsure without that conviction how to really show and explain it and don't even bother and go off the rails and I'm sure that was exactly the same back then sure there are many people there are many saved Jews that sadly that didn't go any further than themselves and that's what happened and then obviously there was the worst as well those that clearly rejected the word of God changed the truth of God into a lie So, yeah, obviously having the Word of God, what an advantage that is, but it doesn't mean automatic salvation, does it? Verse 3 says, For what if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Because like now, there are those that had the Word of God that didn't believe, weren't there? What if some did not believe? There were, and like I said, there could be many reasons for that. But shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Does a load of wicked Jews who reject Christ make, make it untrue? Does that make the Bible not true because there are people that reject the Word of God? Every time you go out and you preach the gospel to someone, they don't get saved. Does that, does that mean that the gospel's not real? Does that mean the gospel's not true? It does it? Does it? In the same way, you could say, does like, some so-called ex-IFB member, you get these people, don't you, online sometimes, you know, why I left the IFB, and people that claim to go... So, does that mean that it wasn't true in the first place? No. There are wicked people and there are people that reject, and there are people that, that claim to be saved and aren't, and there? there are people that ult- just completely reject the word of God from the beginning. But it doesn't mean it's not true does it everyone here who's saved knows in their heart it's true don't they they know that the word of god is true well verse 4 says god forbid to that god forbid yea let god be true but every man a liar as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged now, we obviously, many of us will use the first application of this verse to just make it clear that absolutely everyone in the world has lied. Yeah. Everyone's a liar. And, and it starts pretty early with kids, unfortunately, doesn't it? You, those of you parents out there, I just don't know. why They lied? Yeah, because yeah, people lie, don't they? People lie, sadly. Um, everyone's a liar apart from God. And that is that is a great truth in the world, isn't it? It's a great truth to preach to people that, yeah, look, lying's a sin you've lied you are a sinner okay there's no one that hasn't lied everyone's a liar but here i think you know really it's talking about those who want to lie about the truth found in scripture isn't it because it's it's talking here about those people that don't believe and and there are many people like that aren't there many people that want to lie about the word of god and there are even there are people there are saved people that want to lie let's say people that want to change a little verse to suit themselves aren't there there are people that want to take things out of context to suit their own preconceived ideas, to suit, justify themselves, to justify some false doctrine. How many times have we heard it with, you know, some of the bigger doctrines like the rapture and, and you know, Zionism and things like that, and people that are lying about the Word of God. And I believe some of those deep down <coughs> know they're lying. Not everyone; some are just deceived, but some people know because when when they can't, when you're showing them verse after verse after verse, and and, and this is with many many doctrines in the Bible, isn't it? There are people that do that. But here he's quoting Psalm 514, just by the way. But everything that God says is true and justified. He said that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and might overcome, mightest overcome when thou art judged. Because God will always come on top when judged, won't he? Won't he? He always comes out on top. However much the latest breaking science is, is casting doubt on something in creation. Most of the time it just ends up getting disproved, doesn't it? And, and eventually it will anyway, even if you, oh, well, this one hasn't yet, it will one day. And even if we have to wait until we're in heaven, it will. But so often it does, doesn't it? So many of the things that try and go against the doctrines quite so many times that people try and pull a verse out of nowhere, but when you really study it and show what the context that's in, that God is not a liar, is he? And he will overcome when he's judged and he always does. And isn't it a great thing when you see that? And it, get, it helps helps your faith. I don't mean, oh, make, make me be more saved. No, but I mean it helps strengthen you, doesn't it? Helps strengthen your faith in the word of God. Verse 5 says, But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. And when he's saying he speak as a man, he's basically saying like some might say. Now, this is what someone, not me, might say this. Say, but basically, you know, well, what, you know, is, is God unrighteous taking vengeance because our unrighteousness is commending the righteousness of God. So basically, the more sinful people are, the more it shows how righteous God is, doesn't it? Yeah. Because he's, he's the level here and the more sinful people are, the more you just realise how righteous God really is. Yeah. And you could, you know, you, obviously, you could put that to Jesus Christ and go, wow, when, when you realise, you know, how hard it is to go through a day in life without sinning and Jesus Christ went through 33 plus years without sinning. And that is amazing, but, but God is righteous. And here, when he says, but if, if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say is God unrighteous? who taketh vengeance? Is there anything more unrighteous than a Christ-rejecting reprobate Jew? Really, because I think that when you look at this passage, that's the context of it, isn't it? And these people are pretty wicked, aren't they? But that doesn't mean that he's wrong to punish them even if it does commend the righteousness of God. Again, he says, I speak as a man, look verse six, and he says, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? So regardless of what the result of your sin is, yeah, God still judges, doesn't he? Yeah? And yeah, that's right, God judges the world. And and sometimes that really needs to be pointed out to people, doesn't it? Because they just don't want to accept that, that God judges the world. He's not just up there, sky daddy in the clouds, saying, just coming up, coming up. You know, roll up, roll up, unless you're much worse than whoever it is you decide is really bad, you know, much worse than you. Well, no. God judges. And many say, oh, that's just scare stories, isn't it? Scare stories to control us. But doesn't a creator have the right to judge his creation? Doesn't he? Yes. Right. Does he not have the right to judge what he created? Right. He sure does especially when he preserved every single word of his and has clearly, we still have in front of us like I said you even have on your phone now you can access exactly what God requires of you exactly how God expects you to live is it not right that God judges you? well he he makes it clear in fact he's written it on our hearts isn't he? yeah don't we all have a conscience? we know we know, especially when he's also then giving us a way out as well of being judged. Well, it says, God for forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? Yeah, repercussions for actions are a fact of life, aren't they? They're a fact of life. Repercussions for your actions, that's just, it's almost like a law of life, isn't it? Yeah, there are repercussions. And one is an eternal repercussion. And that's the way life is. And that's known as the great white throne of judgment and and when it comes to that great white final of judgment every single person who's not saved will be getting judged for every sin they have ever done isn't that scary yeah. isn't that scary for those people for you here who are saved no it might not be scary for you but for every person that hasn't put their faith in jesus christ hasn't received that free gift of salvation they're going to get judged for absolutely everything i know you get people talk about the jumbotron you know the kind of history of their life and everything else uh, look, the embarrassment's going to be the least of their troubles, isn't it? Who cares about that when you're getting judged in front of the true God, by the true God, and what's the result? Eternity in the lake of fire. Scary, isn't it? Verse 7, For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my light unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Now, again, he's he's continuing the speaking as a man that we just saw from verse 5 here. Okay, so if god is indirectly glorified by sinners why are they judged is basically the kind of you know the devil's advocate for want of a better word that he's saying here because when you look at the vile reprobate that changed the truth of God into a lie, it can make the truth of God abound. Now it's a bit of a two-sided coin. We saw in, in chapter two, verse twenty four, where it says, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. There are those that blaspheme the word of God, but I know that there are many people here that that, or at least some people here I've spoken to, and I would say part of kind of part of before I got saved, I remember this part of my life was really. Kind of getting to grips with the wickedness in the world and going wow there is some real wickedness out there there are some real scum out there devil worshiping scum and that did kind of make the truth of god abound for me for me it made me in a way i, I was seeking god because i was like look look at all this wickedness there has to be There has to clearly be a god when you when you understand there is a devil yeah for me uh, for many that can be the case here and he did say here where are we in verse, in verse 7 he said for if the truth of god is more abounded through my land to his glory why yet am i also judged as a sinner but again he's just saying that as a sort of well you know is that the case well no but then he also adds another argument here but and not rather as we be slanderously reporting as some affirm that we say let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just So the question here isn't, shall we just willfully sin so that God's glorified? He's saying, by the way, I'm not talking about the lying slander that we're encouraging people to sin. And we hear that a lot, don't we? Uh, you hear that so often when you're trying to preach the gospel. People basically saying, "Oh, you're just giving people a free pass to sin. Cheap grace is one they like to say, don't they? There's nothing cheap about grace, is there? No. Yes, yeah, we don't have to pay anything, but Jesus Christ paid a lot for that, didn't he? Or, yeah, oh, you're just saying that people live how you want. Are you saying you could just do what you want? Yeah. is that what, what sort of a message is this? Well, no, we're saying get saved. Yeah, we're saying yes it's got nothing to do with your own works yeah that's clear but we're not t- saying to people go and do evil are we that good may come and there are those that do say that to some degree aren't there there are those liberal soft churches if they're even saved some of them may be oh like i'm under grace man you know it's just grace and it doesn't, doesn't, you know, I don't have to worry about all the rest of that Bible or anything else, you know, because we're saved by grace. You yeah, know, you're living under grace, man. But is that, the, is that how God wants you living? God forbid. No, he doesn't want you living like that, does he? And they were slanderously reported saying, let us do evil that good may come. Like, well, you know, God's grace will shine forth. And, oh, well, God's grace will show through this sinful Christian. And there are people like that, aren't there, that try and promote that sort of Christianity no no that's not what god wants but you can't earn your way to heaven can you you can't earn your way to heaven and it's a funny thing when you look at this because when you look around churches like like ours again everyone's a sinner i'm not saying they're not but when you look around the church well let's do the capacity when you look at the work salvation churches in inverted commas churches it's usually just full of all sorts of open blade to wickedness, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. And then you go to a church where we're saying, no, grace is a free gift. And it's generally got a lot of people in it that are trying to better and trying to live for God. But they don't. But when you preach the gospel, they're trying to put, oh, well, you're just saying do what you want. Do it. It's like, do I look like that? I'm just saying to, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on your door. Yeah, on a Sunday when when a lot of Christians are out boozing, yeah, or whatever else, I'm knocking on your door and trying to preach the gospel after what all of us are here are spending a full day. Look, I'm not trying to say we're great people, but what I am trying to say is I hope everyone here will say, I want to live for God. But we know it's got nothing to do with going to heaven, has it? Amen. Okay, salvation so is a free gift. What do you say in verse nine? What then? Are we are we better than they? No in no wise for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. So basically to summarise the opening verses, Paul's saying that just because the oracles, the word of God was given to the Jews, that God was still glorified despite their unbelief, the Jews are still no better than the Gentiles because everyone's a sinner, yeah? Because they're all sinners, they're all under sin, he's just said in verse 9. Now I'm going to read these next uh, sort of eight or nine <coughs> verses all together and then we're going to go back to them. Listen to it just all as one. Then, he, and and I believe when you when you read this, I this is how I believe. And this has been preached many different ways. Okay, my belief when I read this is that he's basically now referring to the Jews that have just been the subject matter here. He just said, "What then are we better than they? No, in no wise." talking about himself as a Jew, for we have both proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. Then he says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used a seat. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery misery are in their ways, and a way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So this was written about 25 years after Jesus' crucifixion, okay? Jesus preached to the Jews, did he not? Yeah, in fact, he went to the Jews. Yeah, that, that was the first thing he did. Paul and the other apostles often stubbornly continued to just preach to the jews didn't they and we're now talking 25 years later who's remaining out of the jews here those that have rejected christ yeah now many of those i believe have been given over to a reprobate mind there were many that jesus christ clearly pointed out in many passages such as john 12 and others that they could not see because their eyes were blinded that's why they could not believe yeah so who's left, pretty much, is it not the synagogue of Satan here? Yeah, pretty much. And as a, as a generalisation here, turn over to Psalm 53, because Psalm 14 and 53 are being quoted in that passage we just read. They're almost identical, those two Psalms. And I believe they really help you to understand what he's talking about in Romans 3 here. Because you could, people use that to just say, well, that's just the world. But is that really just the world? Psalm 53, by the way, has an extra bit that I think helps to understand it. So we're going to look at Psalm 53. <coughs> and often in the Bible, for those of you that are unsure, when you're studying out passages and things and it's quoting Old Testament scripture, always go to that Old Testament scripture, because mm-hmm. I think it really helps you understand the passage. Okay, Psalm 53 and verse 1 it says, To the chief musician upon Merlath, Maskell, the psalm of David, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity there is none that doeth good now we use these psalms to show the foolishness of atheism don't we and isn't it foolish yeah it is absolutely ridiculous and i've said this many times and i'll say it again i'm i'm not a big fan of the whole debating atheist you know long long big you know, ministries about fighting back against the atheists and everything else, because you're giving it too much credibility. The whole thing is a nonsense, yeah? Yeah. It's completely ridiculous. And if we had people that were you know running around saying i don't know just something just completely ridiculous the sky's green the sky you're not going to even bother are you? you're not going to sit there go right we need to really fight this we need to get into the science that they're coming up with to disprove them i need to study how the, the sky isn't green for many years to be able to show them how they're wrong because how many people are really getting saved through the atheist stroke you know creation evolution debates are there many look it, it, can help a little bit to strengthen you a bit as a Christian sometimes, because you are getting a bit bombarded with it in the West maybe. Um, you maybe get a little bit from a few angles. It can be nice to hear someone who 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 is into that sort of science and, the, and knows about the science falsely so-called, but that could be done in the odd sermon by these people. That could be done with a lay preacher coming up and, and someone who's maybe a bit more into that sort of thing, preaching it now and again. People like Kent Ovine could have preached the odd sermon every now and again maybe done a seminar series once, and then he could have gone out and knocked doors, yeah, and got people saved. Because are there really that many people tuning in just going, he, did, he proved it, now I'm getting saved. No, because they choose to follow the lie. Yeah. Because it is ridiculous. It is absolute nonsense, isn't it? But here, here in, in Psalm 53, 1, where it says the fool has said in his heart, this isn't just the fool that chooses it, is it? This isn't just the fool that goes, oh yeah, atheism's a good excuse for not putting my faith in Christ. Atheism's a good excuse to reject the God of the Bible, because that's really what it is with most people, isn't it? They just say, well, that'll that'll do. I'll just, just, oh yeah, well, I I believe in the science. What science is that? Someone said that there's some long words and it means that God didn't, didn't exist, so it must be right. But, but really, how many of those people really believe that? They don't even know what they believe. They're just grabbing that. Say, oh, well, I'll take Stephen Hawking as my God. Or I'll take, who's that wicked pervert? Richard Dawkins, he can be my God. But it's a load of nonsense, isn't it? But here, they're saying in their heart, there is no God. <coughs> that sounds to me like a reprobate, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. To say in your heart, there is no God. They're basically, they, they are saying there is no God with a big G with a capital G, aren't they? That's what they're saying. And they're changing the truth of God into a lie. They do not like to retain God in their knowledge, don't they? And again, I'm not talking about somebody who just says, I'm an atheist. I'm saying that, saying in their heart, they've basically rejected Christ to the point where they've not retained the knowledge of God. This isn't someone that wants to sound clever pretending they're an atheist. This is someone saying in their heart, yeah? and have done abominable iniquity, there is none that doeth good. Now it goes on, verse 2, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Obviously, you can see the similarities with what we've just been reading in in Romans Mm 3. Is he talking about everyone in the world here? Well, no, of course not, because there are those that do understand and do seek God, aren't there? Yeah? psalm 105 verse 3 you don't have to turn it says glory ye in his holy name let the heart of them rejoice that seek the lord he's not just talking about not you know people that don't exist so who's he referring to in verse three well let's have a look at verse four have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread they have not called upon god who are the workers of iniquity That's another term used for reprobate false prophets. That's who workers of iniquity are. So keep a finger here and turn over to Psalm 5, which, by the way, is also quoted in Romans 3. While you're turning now, I'm going to read Psalm 92, 9, which says, For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. So the works of iniquity are what? Enemies of God. Okay, these are enemies of God. V- uh, Psalm 5, you've turned to in verse 4, says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. God hates them. Amen. Yeah, if, if, you've, if you're new to this sort of preaching, there are people that God hates. The Bible says there are people that God hates. It's not all fluffy and God is just waiting for people on their deathbed, everyone till their last dying breath and all that, those lies and and false doctrine being preached. No, there are people that God hates. They're workers of iniquity. They're people that are preaching lies. They're people that are spreading lies, that change the truth of God into a lie. They're reprobate concerning the faith. God hates them. He says here... He says, thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. Leasing is falsehoods, lies. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. These are people speaking lies, damning people to hell. No wonder he hates it, doesn't he? Of course he hates it. Who wouldn't hate someone that's sending someone to an eternity in a lake of fire? What? Like, it's just bizarre to try and act like you don't. But people do, don't they? The holier than now. We just love everyone, man. You know, love, love. There's just not enough love preached. It's just love, love. You know, love your enemy. Yeah, but what about God's enemies? What about God's enemies? Because God hates them. And God tells us to hate them. And the psalmist said he hates them, didn't he? But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear, will I worship toward thy holy temple. That's A contrast to the false prophet, isn't it? Coming to the house in a multitude of thy mercy in the fear of God, that's salvation, isn't it? That's people coming to the house saying, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. See what's being quoted here in Romans 3. Romans 3.13 said, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used to seat The poison of asps is under their lips. We've just seen their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Romans 3.13 said, With their tongues they have used to seat The poison of asps is under the lips. So that's an alternative to flattering with the tongue. And that's what wicked people do, don't they? And look, people get confused with this. Giving someone a compliment isn't flattery. Okay, flattery is when it's a lie flattery is when you don't think it flattery is when you're trying to butter people up when you're flattering them flattering them with things like yeah you could earn your way to heaven yeah you could you're good you're a really good christian i think no saint peter's definitely going to let you in at the pearly gates (laughs) or whatever nonsense they come out with that's lies isn't it and there are many people that do that unfortunately verse 10 destroy thou them O god strong language that isn't it let them fall by their own counsels cast them out in a multitude of their transgressions for they have rebelled against thee it's rebellion against God isn't it but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee that's the save that put their trust in God isn't it Verse 12, "'For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous, "'with favour wilt thou compass him as with a shield.'" Now, go back to Psalm 53. So we've clearly seen here that the workers of iniquity are reprobates hated by God, yeah? Okay, I think everyone's seen that, haven't they? Mm -hmm. Psalm 53 says, "'Have the workers,' verse four, "'have the workers of iniquity no knowledge, "'who eat up my people as they eat bread, "'they have not called upon God.'" So they're not saved, they haven't called upon God in faith, and how many people around this nation are eaten up by them as well? How many people are eaten up by false prophets everywhere? By these workers of iniquity with their false religions, you name it. You name the religion that's not, that, that's not saying it's grace through faith and they're workers of iniquity, they're false prophets. And, and this nation is full of them. This town alone is full of them. And how many people are eaten up by them? Everywhere, aren't they? Whether you want to call your nation your hometown, you want to call your nation, you know, the nation you live in or the nation you came from. They're everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. They eat up our people, don't they? They eat up our people. There were they in great fear where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him that encampeth against thee. Thou hast put them to shame because God hath despised them. So see that again. He hates them. He despises them. And I would say, if you don't hate these people, if you either are trying to convince people or you honestly don't, you ain't right with God. You're not right with God. Amen. Like the, the Bible's clear, yeah? yeah? God hates them. We're told to hate them. Why wouldn't you hate someone that's casting damning people to hell? Yeah, Why man. wouldn't you hate God's enemy, his literal enemies? Yeah. Why would you not hate them? And if you claim that you don't hate, oh, we well, are just so loving, you're, you're either a liar or you're just completely out of God's will. Amen. And look, I'm not saying you have to just be few because people make out like we're just so full of hate. We're just walking around fuming, angry, and everything else. No, no, we're actually full of love, yeah? We want to warn people about these about these wicked false prophets, these reprobates everywhere, these scumbags, these perverts. We want to warn people about them. Amen. We want to warn children about we want to warn adults about them. We want to stop people going to hell, don't we? But But if you love people, you're going to hate these people, aren't you? If you love everyone else, you're going to hate the false prophet. And yeah, we hate the false prophet. Everyone in this church agrees that. I hate these people and God hates them as well. And that's why we're not saying, look, in case you're hearing me wrong here, I'm not saying I hate anyone in a false religion. I'm hating the people that are preaching lies behind pulpits, you name it, whatever they call it, around this nation, Okay. False prophets, reprobate concerning the faith, workers of iniquity, I hate them. Okay, and so should you. Verse six says, Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion when God bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. So his people are the saved, aren't they? Now go back to Romans 3. Back in Romans 3, Paul is referring to these remaining Jews, I believe, or those that say they are Jews and are not verse 11 says there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after god they are all gone out of the way they are together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good no not one their throat is an open sepulchre with their tongues they have used to seat the poison of asps is under their lips what's an open sepulchre it's an open tomb or grave Basically, it's rotten. Can you imagine the stench of that? He's saying that it's like that with these people's throats, yeah? Their throat is an open sepulchre. It's rotten because it's basically, all that's coming out of it is lies. Lies and flattery and deceit and deceiving people. And look, lies can be softly spoken, can't they? Lies Lies can be said in a very, very calm and very holy sounding way, can't they? lies can be said in a very posh way lies can be said in a very so-called intellectual sounding way but they're still lies aren't they Imagine. okay and God sees that and he thinks their throats are like an open sepulchre because with their tongues they've used to see the poison of asps that's snakes is under their lips because it's poisonous the tongue is so powerful isn't it yeah. The tongue is so powerful. And what these people are preaching, what these people are saying. Right now, I believe he's talking about these reprobate Jews that are still... Can you imagine what they're saying at this point? Well, the gospel's going out from Jerusalem. It's going out around the world, yeah? Can you imagine what they're saying in re- in reply to that? They're probably preaching their work salvation harder than they've ever preached, aren't they? They're preaching their lies. They're preaching all their, their ph- Pharisee and, and, and the rest of it nonsense. They're just... Their throat is an open sepulcher whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And look, has that changed to this day? When you talk talk to to anyone knocked on doors of what we call Jews to this day, so many of them, how much cursing and bitterness is there when you dare to mention the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? They absolutely hate him. Talk about hate speech, eh? They hate him. They despise him. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And it was the same then. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And think about that as well. These types of people, think about the Zionist warmongers today. Yeah, think about them to this day. The calls for war, the calls for, gen- think about the past genocide. Think about things like, like the, 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 uh, the Jewish Bolsheviks. Think about, like, the genocides that have gone on and carry on and will probably continue to go... Well, they will continue to go on because we know there's coming a time where it's going to be absolutely horrific and no flesh should be spared, will it? Or shouldn't be spared. But, But for the elect's sake, it will be. But think about the amount of warmongering and calls for war and the amount of stuff like this goes on everywhere. And sadly, so often... It's these same people, these Christ-hating, Christ-rejecting people. Destruction and and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And that, for me, I believe there is a description of the Christ-hating reprobate false Jew. That's what I believe that it's talking about there. Some might say, well, it's just kind of a generalisation of people and maybe just using extreme language. I don't think so I think that that's what it's talking about I think that was the context there now he goes on in verse 19 to say now we know that what things soever the law saith it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is a knowledge of sin so the law shows that all the world is guilty of sin doesn't it there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. No flesh. It doesn't matter how, how sweet and innocent you think you are, how perfect you know, your old neighbour is or whoever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There, sh- there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. How clear is that? How, how blatant is that? But the veil's over their eyes, these people, isn't it? And not just the people that have been deceived by them as well. All these, all these people in these false churches thinking they can earn their way to heaven in one way or another well for by the law it says for by the therefore by the deeds of law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is a knowledge of sin and it just shows everyone is guilty now turn to matthew 22. basically the way you can look at it is that the condensed summarized version of the law is in the ten commandments and the Ten Commandments shows that everyone's a sinner. <coughs> but that could be further summarized down the two commandments, can't it, that we see in Matthew chapter 22. And from verse 35, Matthew 22:35 35 says, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is a great commandment in the law? And this is talking to Jesus Christ here. And they're constantly wanting him to slip up, aren't they? Wanting him to say something that they can use Against him, and nowadays we see that with preachers today, don't we? Preachers that are actually preaching the truth. Oh, well, he, he said, you know, you can imagine what they want him to say one law, and then they can go, they go, Oh, look, he's discrediting all the other laws. Oh, he's saying that one's more important than you know, and whatever it is they want to do. And nowadays, you know, it'll be, Oh, he, he preached on sodomites, he, he didn't preach on love for at least two weeks, you know, or whatever it is, whatever criticism way they want to attack the man preaching the word of God. Well, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, you could look at this first glance and go, and you hear sometimes, any of you have people on the door come out with something similar to this? Oh, well, as long as I, you know, love God or love my neighbour. Just love your neighbour, isn't it? Well, of course I love God and I love my neighbour. Of course I do. No, because when you love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, you won't ever put anything before him, will you? Yeah, you won't ever put anything before him thinking about the Ten Commandments you won't, you won't make graven images either will you? so you won't put things before him like whatever, whatever it is popularity family friends TV shows well, I don't know what it is whatever it is and everyone's probably got something everyone here has got something that they've put before God at some point in their life and probably will continue to do so you won't make graven images, like I said, yeah? If you love the Lord God with all your heart, not just, oh, well, I love him. Yeah, I say I love him. I talk about him sometimes. I, I, you know, I, I have a little cross or I have a little fish on the back of my car, so I clearly love him, don't I? Because I've got a graven image on my car. I must love him. Anyone see those stupid Darwin ones they put up with the feet? It's, it's so ridiculous. Anyone who has that is even more idiotic than the person that has a fish on the back of their car. That's all they're doing, aren't they? Just going, I am a complete fool. But anyway, mm-hmm. what about taking the name of God in vain? And I'm sure many people here have done that, haven't they? And maybe continue to do that sometimes. And that's just in emptiness. It's not really, you're not really treating it with the reverence you should do. Yeah, the name of God. Now, the, the Sabbath, if you're thinking about the Ten Commandments, is fulfilled in Christ. But people that, that, you know, think they're able to earn their way to heaven basically well they're not resting in Christ are they so in a way they're not observing what is a fulfilled Sabbath which is resting Christ how about you all you know you'll honor your father and your mother you would wouldn't you if you love the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind but is everyone honoring their father and mother all the time are they no so in fact you'll do the whole list, won't you, the Ten Commandments, because God commands you to. But if you loved your neighbour as yourself, let's focus on the second half. You wouldn't kill, would you? Oh well of course. Hopefully there's no murderers here. Well, this is expanding first John three fifteen. Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet everyone here has hated their brother before. You wouldn't commit adultery, would you? If you loved your neighbour as yourself, in Matthew 5 28, Jesus expanded that but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Kind of narrowing down a list of people that can qualify by the Ten Commandments, yeah? <laughs> and like I said, even from those two commandments where it summarized, isn't it? You wouldn't steal, and that includes, by the way, on your tax return. Slacking at work is basically stealing from your employer, isn't it? Yes. Turning up late to work is stealing from your employer not and and if you think well i don't have an employer i'm self-employed well in the same way you're probably stealing from your customer when you slack on that job when you do a bit of a a bit of a shoddy job just want to get out and get away with that one not tithing what about not tithing that's stealing isn't it malachi 3 8 says will a man rob god yet have ye robbed me but ye say where and have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings still stealing isn't it how about bearing false witness against your neighbour? Could anyone say they've never bared false witness against anyone their whole life? Everyone has, haven't they? If you love your neighbour as yourself, would you bear false witness against them? And by the way, that's lying about someone. And that can include any sort of little lie. Or e- economy with the truth, people are a little white lie. Something to make yourself seem better, to lift yourself up, to get yourself out of some sort of trouble, whatever it is. We just read, didn't we, verse 4, God forbid, yeah, let God be true, but every man a liar. Yeah, the Bible says every man's a liar. Okay, everyone's lied. Oh, but the commandment is not against your name. You've heard people say that before. Oh, well, in fact, the Ten Commandment actually says, you know, it's about bearing false witness against your neighbour. Well, yeah, but Revelation 21, 27, talking of the New Jerusalem, says, And there shall in no wise enter, it, enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah? And everyone's lied, haven't they? Proverbs twelve twenty-two says, Lying lips are abomination to the law, but they that deal truly are is to lie. And regardless, everyone has probably bared false witness against their neighbor at some point. If you just think about from childhood upwards, telling tales and your siblings. And so often those tales are a little bit dodgy when it comes to the truth. Yeah? aren't they everyone pretty much has and continues to bear false witness and if you loved your neighbors yourself you wouldn't covet their stuff would you their things their wives their husbands their their oxes their asses you name it would you but doesn't everyone hasn't everyone don't they to some point to some degree at some point in their life and coveting's a big deal isn't it that a big issue such a common sin that's why Jesus said in Luke 12 15 he said unto them take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth Mm -hmm. so do you think there's anyone in the world ever that's ever lived that's not broken one of those commandments it's a trick question (laughs) Max muttered it. Jesus Christ there's one man that didn't break any of those commandments that's the Lord Jesus Christ Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So the prophesied righteousness that comes from who? Jesus Christ, yeah? Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. What do you have to do? Just believe. That's all it takes. Faith, trust in Jesus Christ, yeah? belief putting your trust putting your faith putting your belief on the lord jesus christ at his death his burial his resurrection pay for all your past present and future sins how amazing is that Amen. why for all have sinned that's why for all all have sinned and come short of the glory of god Amen. you can't earn when you earn your way to heaven Every one of us comes short. There's no, like, a little bit of him and a little bit of us. Well, we come short, so I put my faith in Christ, and then if I'm good enough. No, because you come short. There's no works. There's no combination. And Romans eleven six, among many other scriptures, makes that so clear, doesn't it? And if by grace, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more... Uh, grace, otherwise works, is no more works. Yeah? yeah, it's clear as day, isn't it? It's one or the other. Which one are you going to put your faith in? Your own goodness? Good luck with that. Or mm-hmm. faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Verse twenty-four: Being justified freely mm-hmm. by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What does free mean? It's not paid for either before or after. Okay, free, it's not free, and then you've got to work for it, is it? Is that free? No. no. Free means free. It's not free like they try and go, oh, free, whatever, you know, no no interest, blah, 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 until six months later. No, when the Bible says it's free, it's free. Yeah, that means you don't have to pay for it. Not now, not ever. okay it is free. For whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now, propitiation means atonement, the appeasing of God's wrath, yeah? And by the way, there's nothing limited about that atonement either, in case any of you are wondering, because of our such intellectual Calvinists out there, who are so intellectual that they don't seem to be able to read 1 John 2, 2, which says, and here's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay, there's nothing limited about it, is there? No. The remission, the remission of sins that are passed, by the way, is not talking about just your old sins. It's saying that those sins are passed away, they're put behind, gone. And in case you're wondering about that, turn over quickly to Romans 4. Great verse, a couple of verses for this from verse six says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Okay, will not impute sin. Verse back back to where we were in Romans three and verse twenty-six. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. What does it come down to? Just belief, faith, Amen. trust in Jesus. It's so clear, isn't it? And what a chapter of the Bible this is, isn't it? If someone just wanted to read a chapter, what, what a chapter, Romans 3, to just make it so clear. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Not of works this any man should boast, eh? Yeah, there's no boasting about it because it's faith alone. And there are some people I find that, I don't know, if you ever spoke to kind of, sometimes maybe newer Christians, sometimes people, they, they almost want to try and find, well, I must have been good. I must have like done something to have been able to get, well, I must have been a free thinker. I must have, no, no. Look, you just put your faith in Jesus Christ, yeah, okay? Someone, pre- praise God, someone preach you the gospel, but it's just faith. It is. There's nothing you do. There's nothing you do to lose it. And let's just make it clear once again, yeah? Anyone believes that you can lose your salvation, they are not saved. Amen. You cannot be saved if you think you have to work for it. It is impossible. You, 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 how, how does that even work? And there are people out there that claim to be saved that believe that someone else can be saved even though they believe they can lose their salvation. What is that about? Well, I think they're saved, even though they said that they've got to, you know, keep repenting every time they sin. No, they're not saved. No. Okay, you are not saved. That's why we like to ask extreme questions at the door, just because it just cuts through the nonsense, doesn't it? What if you killed someone? What if you killed someone tomorrow, you're still going to heaven? Oh, well, as long as I ask for forgiveness, you're not saved. You don't have to do anything in the future. You're not saying, oh, well, well, he kind of said forgiveness. I think he might have meant salvation. No, he didn't mean that. He meant he still had to do something. He meant he's still trusting himself, didn't he? Yeah. It's got nothing to do with you. Okay? Salvation is by grace through faith. Yeah? Okay? It's not of yourselves. Yeah? Okay? It's a gift of God, not of works. It's any sending man's And it sounds obvious, doesn't it? But how many people will, will, will quote all of that and then go, oh, yeah, but you can lose salvation, though? No well how does that work so you're still working for it so it is of works is it so you can no is he the god of the jews only is he not also of the gentiles verse 20, 29 yes of the gentiles also seeing it is one god which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith do we then make void the law through faith god forbid yea we establish the law so again people sit here will maybe sit through something like this or watch something like this and just go just giving you a license to sin what sort of a, what sort of wicked people say you can do what you want yeah you can do what you want but should you do what you want no way should you do we make void the law through faith god forbid yeah we establish the law paul you legalist because then you've got the opposites so you've got the ones who go you say you can do what you want you've got the other ones going oh what, what, you, you know are you saying that, that, that you should still be looking at actually the law you're saying that, that when he said you know that, that sodomites should be killed yeah that they should die in Leviticus 2013 that they're an abomination that, that what you're saying that still stands oh we're under grace yeah but Since when? Since when did any of that get changed? Yeah, no, they shouldn't. A righteous government should do that. And and if we lived under a godly government, yeah, they'd be killed along with adulterers. Yeah, they would be killed as well, yeah, along with people into bestiality and all sorts of wicked things and incest and all sorts of stuff. Yes, yes. And that's what we believe. That's what we believe because the Bible says that and because nothing has ever changed, has it? Because the same people that go, oh, well, yeah, but that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, well, we're under grace now. Those same people, what, are they saying, oh, yeah, yeah, an incest is okay now. Yeah, yeah, a bit of bestiality is all right. Yeah, you know, because we're under grace. <laughs> we're under grace now. It's all done away with. No, no, because, because do we make void the law? God forbid. no obviously when it comes to meats drinks diverse washings carnal ordinances the things that are done away with yeah sure they're done away but the moral law none of that has changed at all has it and that is how we should live by every word of god shouldn't we that's how we want to try and live that's how we that's how people in this church i hope try and live but it's got nothing to do with going to heaven it's got none to do with going to heaven it's to do with serving the god that freely gave us the gift of heaven that's right. Amen. turn to matthew chapter 5 <coughs> is it void God forbid that's some pretty strong language isn't it no way is what he's saying no chance and people that teach otherwise are wicked aren't they yes they are wicked Matthew 5 17 says think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets I am not come to destroy but to fulfill For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Amen to that, eh? Yeah, they're still in the kingdom of heaven, these people. Yeah, these wicked liberal pastors out there are saying that. When I say wicked, I'm saying in terms of a Christian. I'm not talking about them being wicked false prophets. Those ones that are saved, there are saved people out there. By the way, just in case you're wondering, it's not just our sort of church. There are saved people out there, okay, believe it or not. And there are saved people out there that tell people that they don't have to follow the law at all, that that none of it's none of it's of any interest it's just interesting to look at that that's how they live but now you're under grace do what you like if it feels good do it unless you get a pricking from the holy spirit unless you feel like you get a little nudge when you do but the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above who, all things who can know it Amen. so how on earth are you going to trust your own heart no we trust what the word of god says and the more you live right by the way the more you start to actually understand and start to realize when you are completely or when you are going out of god's will don't you the more you're following the word of God, the more you start to get right and get pure. And look, we're all going to sin. I'm not standing here going, oh, man, I've got it sorted. Look, we, all, we are all sinners. All have sinned and come short the glory of God. OK, that's clear as day. But, but we try our best, don't we? We should be trying our best to live for God. And if anyone's teaching otherwise and people do that, there'll be people that will come into this church and try and turn your head. They'll try and do, oh well, you know, but you know, try to like preach too hard on that bit, or, or they'll have a little whisper to you just in the pri- in private. Well, we're all sinners, aren't we? You know, and everything else. Yeah, we are all sinners, but you better not be trying to teach people to break the least of these commandments, yeah, because. God wants us to, to live the best we possibly can doesn't he but praise God that that's not to get us into heaven otherwise none of us would be in heaven none of us will be going to heaven it's got anything to do with how we live yeah but look we better make sure like it says here in verse 19 whosoever therefore shall break the one of these least commands and shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven make sure that you're not doing that. Make sure you're not doing that with your kids. Make sure you're not making up your own list of what you think is okay and not. No, the word of God is, is, is our final authority, isn't it? Okay. Um, and that was Romans chapter three. And look, that what, what a great what a great chapter of the Bible, isn't it? Uh, what a, how can you read? You can't read Romans chapter three and come away and go, yeah, I still think I've got to like be good to go to heaven. I still think I've got to at least do certain things. I still got to at least repent of my sins what 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 do you mean which sins? what which sins what all your sins what what even is that I'll tell you what it is it's a lie it's a lie from the pit of hell is it not yeah. it's a lie from the pit of hell and and like the rest of it that one's just a more subtle one because it sounds a little bit biblical doesn't it oh yeah yeah repent yeah i've heard that word yeah yeah repent and believe oh yeah it must be not of your sins yeah good luck with that Good luck with that, and I'm sick and tired of those churches that preach that. Amen. Praise God, we've got a church that doesn't, and praise God for Romans chapter three on that. Let's pray. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this just great book that. that what, a, what a chapter of the Bible! Thank you that, um, that, that also that you've you know we don't have that veil in front of our eyes that we can just read that for what it is and, and just take the truth from that and help us to go go and preach that to other people to just be clear with that, to be clear with your gospel. How it's a free gift. How easy it is. How it's, it's just putting the your faith, your trust in in Jesus Christ. And thank you for that. Thank you for for everything you do for us. Thank you for 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 this church. And thank you for all the many blessings you give us. Please help us to go go out this week and keep you at the centre of it. To keep thinking of you. To keep reading your word. To keep in prayer. To keep preaching the gospel to just just keep trying to get sin out sin out of our lives as well and, and to keep trying to encourage others to do that as well and, and help us help us Lord to, to return back safely next week as well and, and to get here safe and sound for another day in your house. in Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen. Amen.